0: You're listening to the AID Network.
1: Good news, friends. No, I take that back. Great news, friends. Comment below is now officially its own podcast. That means you can go listen to it over on Anchor, Spotify, or even iTunes. Yeah, I'm sure today you're probably listening to it over on the Adventures in Design main feed, but it won't be there forever. So if you're not a Circle of Trust member and you love listening to us talk about film, TV, pop culture, and YouTube, Make sure you go over and subscribe to comment below. Hell, make sure you go over and do it even if you are a member of the Circle of Trust to help the show grow. And while you're there, please leave as many stars as possible and a positive review. I don't know if you know this, but those things make podcast track higher, therefore making them more discoverable. And part of doing this and breaking them all up into different areas is so that we can grow the show and grow the AID.network. So please tell a friend to go listen to it and subscribe and leave a positive review. Listen up, party people. That's right. If your client or yourself, you have an event coming up, take all of your event planning design, bring it over to our friends over at JackPrints.com. If you need laminates and VIP passes, 250 start as low as $192. If you need full color posters to promote the event, show everybody you're going to have a great time and show off your design skills, 250 full-color posters as low as 194 bucks, And if you need a full-color vinyl banner once you get to the party, you need to give your sponsors a shout-out or let people know where to go to get their laminates and VIP passes. Oh, it's all coming together. Get four-foot by two-foot banners as low as 50 bucks. All three of these items are under $200, and a great way for you to round out your promotional printing and planning for you or for your client. Get these deals and even more by going to jackprints.com slash circle of trust when you're ready to design that next party or promotion. Jackprints.com slash circle of trust. Spend less so you can make more. Welcome back to Comment Below, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready to dig deep into the entertainment industry? I sure hope so. On the show today, Sean Mort. Just... Dude, we've been over this for fucking two years now. Just turn it on. Just... No. Connie, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing better than Sean is, Absolutely.
1: Apparently. Absolutely. The man can't even seem to turn on his microphone. Come <laughs> I don't, know what he's, I don't know what's happening over there. It looks like Snicket Problems. Hashtag Snicket Problems.
0: When he's got that hoodie on, it seems like that he just can't hear any of your instructions. He, not, he can't see anything. I don't know what's going on.
1: Don't get me wrong. I love my AirPods. I think it's the best device that Apple has released in the absence of Steve Jobs. But I don't think that the AirPod is a good podcast a, a recording device. You know, like I need a bigger headphone.
0: No, back in the day when I recorded with you before, before I was doing my own show, I would just have those little buds in there, you know, and never quite felt comfortable with it. No. And now that I've been doing this more regularly and doing my own thing, it's like when you put those headphones on, it's like flight gear, like you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah. You're in the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Your you're, your voice is in your ears. You're in the game. You're ready to win. And you, you feel like you're broadcasting. Oh, since you plugged it twice, you have your own podcast?
0: Yeah, imagine that. A little free promo I'm trying to slide in. Oh, what's it called? <laughs> it's called Is There Gay Stuff In It? And it's um, a little less mainstream than uh, this one as far as pop culture, music, movies, media, YouTube. But uh, you can find it on iTunes and Spotify and anywhere else that you listen to uh, your regular podcasts at. Again, it's Is There Gay Stuff In It podcast
1: and when you're done with that go over to my new podcast called straight tv with mark Bricky. it's all straight tv all the time so we're just covering both sides of the coin connie um this time of year is when the groundwork starts getting laid for series development you know the pilot season is is slowly coming and i remember beth and i got married in may and i remember being on vacation we were, we took our honeymoon down um in texas and uh, down in the Gulf, and I remember looking at USA Today, and USA Today would just have this little bitty section about what was happening in the TV industry, and I'm telling you, four paragraphs at the most. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on vacation when I actually had time to like get a newspaper and go through all of it, and I just remember reading that and like this just isn't enough TV intel for me, and now. When I sit down to do some research for comment below, I go, maybe there's too much TV intel for me. Like the amount of data that we now have on TV and the pilot season and the series developments. And, and you know, it's like the networks start the PR campaign before they even have a pilot finished or greenlit. Like they're already trying to build an audience or some sort of noise when they're still in the pitching and developing process, which I think goes to show how hard it is to get an audience in 2019 that like right out of the gate or even before you're at the gate, before you even have a horse, you're not even at the Kentucky Derby yet. You're already trying to put together some sort of audience or some sort of name in the space.
0: Yeah. They're trying to create buzz. And what they're doing is uh, sometimes I'll see a show come out and I'll have forgotten that I, was interested in it a year ago when I first started hearing about it, not realize it's the same show. Yeah. Sometimes the gap is that long. um, And we're getting a little bit of overload, I think of media, which is odd for me to say I can't keep up with it. And I'm like a pro TV watcher. Right. So, you know, the pitching process of things, I mean, I wonder how many things get pitched that we hear about and then we just forget about them and they never actually come to fruition. There's got to be a lot.
1: One of the things when I first became a student of TV was I, was I would get pumped up about a pilot, and then you'd never get to see it. And then I also realized things like, oh, well, just because that person made Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series, and, and I think that I'm a huge, I think the guy's name is Roger Moore, who was the uh, producer of that, it, it, something more. And I remember thinking that it was close to 007, but uh, I would see his name. On all of these sci-fi products, and so I would go hunt them down. About like, this is going to be amazing, and they were um, they were never amazing. So it, it also taught me that you know sometimes um, th- these shows is just like so many different things coming together at once is where it gets great.
0: Well, it'd be hard to recapture the magic of Battlestar Galactica for me. That was a show that everyone whose TV like opinion I trusted said why aren't you watching this and i felt like i had already missed the boat a little bit there were a lot of episodes in but then and it was back in the days of getting the dvds in from netflix which it seems like so long ago (laughs) but there's so many that's how i first watched friday night lights
1: what network Um, what network put out the reimagined battlestar galactica
0: was it it was on sci-fi right was on sci-fi i guess before they did their rebranding to syfy yeah which i don't quite understand either
1: they never came close to that success again in their career I don't think so. No. Great show. Great, great, great show.
0: I slammed in and watched that thing late, late at night, most usually, and there were many nights where it was 4 a.m. and I had to be at work at 7, (laughs) and it was like torture to not hit the next episode.
1: The TV show where I started to realize the future, you know, we talked last episode about how The Sopranos taught us that TV was at a, a different standard was being set, but I remember, like, Beth and I had settled in, and I was getting domesticated. I was like, oh, TV's the thing that you do, because I just lived a wild life for a decade plus, and there was no TV time in my life, and I would just catch random things like The Sopranos that were super important to me, but I remember the TV show that caught my attention, and it was the first show that I ever watched, like, through an iPod to keep up with episodes, was I fell into the end of season one of prison break late and i was marathoning it and then right as i got caught up with it on my flight back home from seattle they had just started showing the season two so i would like binge through my first season of tv digitally made it right over to to where the another one was beginning and then when i hit that brick wall of being current i dove into battlestar galactica and then my TV viewing habits were never the same again. It was like when I downloaded my first song from iTunes, I was like, oh, I should maybe think about getting out of the music industry because this thing's going to be dead very soon.
0: I think the first show like that for me, maybe where I it was like a, it became portable with me was Lost. Mm. I watched uh, uh, we were taking Tanner to one of the Pirates of the Caribbean like premiere nights or something. And I was like, oh, but I want to watch this episode. So I put it on my iPod. And took it with me, and I'm sitting waiting for the movie to start with the earbuds in. And it was the episode where we discover that we're in the future and they've already been off the island. And The one where
1: Jack's on the bridge, yes, yeah.
0: And I made some like really loud noises, I think, when that popped up. <laughs> <laughs> People were like, What the hell? But that blew my mind. And I think at that point, that I was like, I don't what we're watching here is like something like next level.
1: A friend of I've talked about this before, but a friend of mine who's a really bright guy, he was losing faith and lost. And when that episode came out, he goes, that's so amazing. That's my series finale. And he never went back to it. And I think if I would have ended that night on the bridge, I'd have been like, well, that was a good show. Cause it, the second half of that game was, was pretty uneven uh, to say the least. So one of the things that I saw that came up is Amazon released that, uh, Julia Roberts will not return as a series regular for homecoming. For it's season two. I'm I'm paused in that show. I'm like three quarters through the way of season one. I got custodial rights from my wife. Um, I always say that I love a good 30 minute show. But for some reason, when I sit down, it's just not telling me to jump back into it.
0: You know, that was one of my things that I thought might make my best of list. And yeah. then as I was compiling the other things and I was put in that horrible limit that you guys ended up giving me <laughs> of six, <laughs> there wasn't, as I kept going, there wasn't any way it was staying in the six. And so then I was like, does it even go in the honorable mentions? And those started piling up. So I think I got really caught up in it because when I realized it was a 30-minute show, the tone of it, the look of it, the styling, the cinematography... All that was really quick and I binged it all. I think we watched it in a day and a half yeah. and I got really caught up into it. But looking back now, I would recommend people to watch it, but I don't think I would go back and revisit it. I don't know what else I would get out of another watching of it because it was pretty much right out on the plate for you to get the first time.
1: Would you watch a second season? Is there enough crumbs on the plate for you to come back for another one?
0: See, that's where I get questions about shows where they call them a limited series or say they're just going to be, you know, a, a, an event and then they're successful. So they give them another season. Pretty little uh, liars. Big, big little lies. Yes. I'm like, okay, we. <laughs> we
1: what did I just do the old guy thing where I just made up my own name that kind of sounds like the show?
0: I, I figured you were just giving it a brickyism, so oh, I thought no. I would just fill, fill the, it in big little lies.
1: The funniest one of those ever was when Artie Lang would say that his uncle or whatever would call Buffy the Vampire Slayer Jew broad that kills Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: kind of what it was. <laughs> <laughs> kind of perfect. So, Homecoming, I, for me, it ended. I don't know what else they would do with it. Uh, So are they going to change it, make something else? And if she's not in it, then I definitely don't know that it can be anything related to the same season. So that's where I get into like, okay, are you guys just throwing something and putting it all out there in the first season? And if it's a great hit, you'll figure out a second season. And I don't like that.
1: Right. Cause there's so many times when you watch a really great season of TV and you just feel like when, you know, some people left, some people came back, they hired in some other folks they went into a room, they stood in front of the whiteboard, and they just tried to sew it together as best as possible and just couldn't get there. Like the year of the writer strike, um, I just turned my mother-in-law on to Friday Night Lights. She watched all five seasons in less than a month and Whoa. just went in hard on it and fell in love with Coach like we all do. But I warned her. I said, it's one of the greatest shows ever. Season one is is pretty long. And it's a little bit different than everything else. Because the problem with Friday Night Lights was this. Football fans didn't like it because it felt like a high school show. High school show fans didn't like it because it felt like a football show. So it never really found a hardcore audience. So I said, season one's kind of long, and it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Season two is horrendous because of the writer strike. Then the mm-hmm. show goes over to DirecTV for three years. They do more with half or quarter of the budget than they had over at Network. So I'm like, the TV show's story is about just as fascinating as the story they tell you on the screen. But that second season of Friday Night Lights, you think TV's bad. Let the scabs get in there and write a couple episodes, and then you'll realize the golden age of TV is very, very golden. Because TV just got horrible when the A-team went away and the varsity players came up and held the pen.
0: Yeah, it was all the people that uh, didn't quite make the hiring pile of people like their writing samples and their scripts and their experience wasn't up to par, but they didn't have anybody else been better if they just showed reruns.
1: Absolutely. TV could have just taken the year off and, and came back better. Here's a show that's returning that I missed the first time. Maybe I'll get back into it over on Hulu. It's called The First and it's a Sean Penn led drama. I remember we talked about this a while ago. And this just goes to show the state of TV. Sean Penn, arguably one of the greatest actors of our time, made a yep. TV series, and I didn't even go out of my way to figure out what it was about.
0: The state of where we're at is when you said the first, I had no idea what it was. Then when you said Sean Penn, I was like, oh yeah, we talked about this. I love Sean Penn. This is not in my consciousness anymore. I don't even know what this show is about or whatever. So there's, I'd, no one will believe I'm saying this. There's too much TV. Yeah.
1: There really is. There really is. And then another one on the list of like, I can't believe this is coming back again. AMC's an odd, odd channel. It gave you and I one of our all-time favorites, Mad Men, uh, Mm -hmm. another one of our all-time favorites, Breaking Bad, and my current favorite, Better Call Saul. But AMC's weird because Halt and Catch Fire, that's an AMC show. That's the number one show that I can recommend to people that they probably haven't seen. But they do a lot of weird shit and like right now gun to my head another channel that i love fx i have no idea what's on either one of those channels for the month of january but amc's bringing back the terror for a second season and what's, I, what's the terror I, the first one was dudes on a boat i I'm, i I'm, you know, it was like dudes on a boat and it looked i don't know they're 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 calling it an anthology second season so that means that i guess they get to tell a different story but Like, there's just so much TV out there, but then weird shit you're not even aware of comes back. So I guess as everything's getting broken apart, there's an audience for everything. Like, I was fascinated when I saw that not only is USA, which I believe is the worst cable network. I can't watch any of their shows. There's just a shittiness to them all. For Um, for sure, yeah. USA is working on their prequel to Suits. Because they're showing the ninth and final season of Suits. Now, I've seen the ads for Suits in Entertainment Weekly for nine years now. Nothing about it ever drew me in. I never wanted to be a part of it. I can't believe a show like that runs that long. Like, I used to see the ads for Monk. I go, who's watching Monk? What's Monk? Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Comment Below. You know, Connie... Aside from watching all of the TV that she does, she also runs a very successful business out of her home where she ships pens, patches, and posters and T-shirts all around the world. And in order to do that and make life easy for her, she's got to do it as efficiently as possible. That means that using a service like SynPro Online can speed up your shipping, make it more affordable and more profitable, so you got more time to do things like watch TV. Here's how it works. You pull up software from SynPro Online by Pitney Bowes, where you can immediately see the different rates on your parcel from USPS, UPS, and FedEx, right there at your fingertips. That means you can immediately see what's the best deal. You know when you promised your customer they'd see their parcel, and you get to make the decision on how to get it there in that time frame while saving you money. And let's not even talk about all the time you save by going to one place to get these three rates And never having to go to the post office again. Well, okay, you might have to go and drop it off, but you can schedule a pickup or you can simply just go, drop it off, and not even have to worry with playing the whole post office game. You know how that game goes. It's not a fun game. There's no winners there. No winners at all. Simpro Online by Pitney Bowes. It's a great service. I recommend you try it out for free for 30 days, and they'll also send you a free 10 pound scale when you go to pb.com slash design. That's right, pb.com slash design save time save money at pb.com slash design and remember when you support our sponsors you support adventures in design
0: do you think the suits thing is just because they got a little bit of um press from Meghan markle having been on that show like nobody knew she was on it until she married the little prince whatever uh harry so Maybe they're like, "Well, we're going to capitalize on this, and now that people have come in, they'll they'll watch." But she's not going to be on it, so you think they threw
1: a little little wind in the sail and, and got it going a little bit further. But they're making
0: a prequel to a prequel to who cares <laughs> to prequel to who cares um yeah suits just look like there were several shows that were kind of like that and they would just pair two like not like devastatingly good-looking guys but good enough to get a girl in a bar mm-hmm. on a friday night if she was drunk guys mm-hmm. um together put them in some kind of legal slash corporate financial ball roles and they are you know like rascals, they get around the, right. the laws and the way that people do things and are charming and whatever. That seems like there were like three or four of those shows all together at once, and maybe Suits is like came out the champion of all that.
1: Uh, gay Stefanid, I believe the lead actor during the process or during the nine years, I believe that lead actor came out as being gay IRL. I don't know about that in the show, but uh, you might want to mm. get on that.
0: That's one that got past me, but I'm gonna none like, of them get uh, past
1: me. Straight TV over on iTunes. Make sure you listen to it today.
0: I'm gonna send a communique by uh, Raven out to the Los Angeles office <laughs> of Gay News and find out about that. Back to Prison Break. Um, I did not watch that show, but because again, I feel like I got really far behind on it. But speaking of gay stuff, the main guy, Wentworth Miller, yeah. correct? Yeah, he's he's a gay. He's, he's out, and um, then he plays a gay now on one of my shows that I watch, like a fantasy sci-fi CW show that you won't watch because it's on the CW. But he's playing a gay. so And the other guy from that played his brother on there
1: is also on that show. So there's a weird thing about those two guys. They do everything together. Like, they were on prison <laughs> break together. They did... Um, hmm. CW did this weird, like expanded universe superhero show that was really, really bad. And they were like criminals with some sort of super ability and they were together. Like they, they've, this would now be the third project that they've done together. Um, When he played Michael Schofield over on prison break, season one, very thin, very attractive, very tattooed season two, put on a little bit weight. They stopped showing the tattoos. By season three, they would only shoot him straight on because if they got him profile, he got very doughy and Mm -hmm. they would never, ever show his tattoos. And then in one episode, like this is a show about a fucking guy that got his entire body tattooed and the tattoo was a roadmap to how to get out of the jail. And he had things on like his wrist that would be like uh, a code for like which elevator to get in at the courthouse if they got out of the jail, right? So like his whole body was a roadmap of how to escape from prison. And, and it was all hidden within the tattoos, which actually made me think, I'm like, if you were sleeved and you were in high school, you could cheat like fucking crazy on your tests. But anyways, towards the end of the sh- show, season four, season five, it was very painful, but they removed all of his tattoos and they've removed them all. Like in one shot, he goes into a room. He's like, Ugh! and they took all of his tattoos off of him I go first off you cut off the guy's pinky toe and he never lost any balance and he never was mentioned again now you zapped all of his tattoos off get out of here
0: And ain't coming off in one sitting. I mean, I've followed some people's Instagram journeys where they're trying to get one thing taken off their arm, and it's like 18 months of visits to be zapped, and it being the worst pain of their lives, way worse than the tattoos ever were. So that's a little unrealistic. Yeah, they
1: took off an entire full sleeves, full chest, full back. Like, he was completely just ripped out everywhere, and that was the roadmap. But once again, that's a show. They had a really good story. They rushed it. You put me in that room. I'd be like, we need to break this down. Like, I have a whole plan for how that show could go. I even have a plan on a better ending for Battlestar Galactica, which I think my ending's way better. But I'm also complete maniac. All right, <laughs> When we look at shows that are coming back, I don't know if you saw this. You're a Handmaid's Tale fan. Mm-hmm. I'm still dragging my heels of going into there. It just seems like it's going to be a bum out sesh.
0: You haven't started it at all? No. Okay, let me please implore you to start it before another season comes up.
1: Okay, so we can do it together?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Did you know that Christopher Milani is going to be joining the cast this season?
0: No, I did not. Yeah. I haven't been keeping up on that. He was on my uh, other show that I like, Pose.
1: And, oh, really? Yes. Uh, he and Elizabeth Reeser. I'm not really sure I know who she is.
0: She is, um, she is in. Did you watch Haunting a Hill House yet? No, not yet. Okay, she's in that. Did you watch any of the horrible Twilight movies?
1: No, never seen a minute of Twilight.
0: <laughs> okay, those are her highlights. I think um, she generally plays like a person that you would be like, I fucking hate this person. Yeah. Oh, but I don't ever meet them in life. So that doesn't bode well for her coming into Handmaid's Tale. Can't imagine what she's playing, but she's she pops up around she used to be on Grey's Anatomy stuff like that
1: uh, Chris Milani walking away from Law & Order SVU what a weird thing to give up because it's just like so dialed in at this point probably so easy to do such regular money residuals for the rest of your life like when you see somebody walk away from something like that you're like you are a true artist my friend <laughs>
0: true artist and i also try to think of who's the person that he fucking can't stand on that show that he's willing to just burn it down yeah it's got to be mariska hargitay it's got to be i mean
1: i mean she (laughs) is she is the constant in that show and so many other people have come and gone that there probably could be a a a little bit of a problem on that set but man i love his bizarre character in wet hot american summer
0: Oh yeah, he also played a bizarre character in um, Harold and Kumar the first one. He was the weird. If you've ever seen that movie, he was the weird guy with all the skin stuff, the hillbilly like guy, and that. I think that guy's got to be like a cool guy. He plays some like the Wet Hot American Summer, some you know really oddball shit. But then he's got Oz under his belt, yes, and all these other things. To me, he's like the Bill Cower mm. of actors Mm -hmm. like he reminds me of him and it's just like he's just a hard ass and like this man's man and you know he's got like this code it seems like he lives by and like every team in the nfl if bill cowher said hey come coach us would be falling all over themselves and i feel like all tv shows are like or movies would take any cameo he would do
1: um i was at the la art show last year and I was looking at this really big painting and as I was stepping back to get a better look at it. The guy next to me was stepping back to look at it and we were, our heads were moving in the same direction and then when I looked over to see who was in my peripheral, it was him, And we were standing there looking at the same thing. And I was excited that he was exactly the size that I thought he would be because on Law and Order, he was kind of like the bigger tough cop. Sometimes you see those people and they're a sweet five foot six. And I was yeah. stoked that he actually was like a man of, of, of size and scale. Um, if you're going to be watching the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, uh, Coca-Cola out. Not buying a 5.1 to five and a half million dollar ad instead, running an ad before the game starts, getting that spot. Kind of interesting that Coke wouldn't throw down the big bucks because you look at the landscape of media and sports and these reality TV shows, that's the new way that they're going to get an audience in front of them. But who you will see this year uh, in an ad for the Super Bowl is Jeff Bridges. Is back as the Big Lebowski, and they That's made a sh- yes. It's a short ad, and nobody really knows yet. Is that a play for something more to come, or you know, just brought the character out of retirement for fun? But uh, that will definitely be an interesting thing to keep your eyes on this Sunday.
0: Yeah, I don't think if I was a corporation, I would put as much stock in Super Bowl uh, commercials as people always have thought about that. I don't find that people talk about them as much anymore. No. People don't stay in their seats for anything like an event like that and watch the commercials because we're so not used to seeing them. They're going to take that time to go and get some more dip or go to the bathroom or do whatever because it, it's not the the event is no longer like the commercials are no longer one of the other events of the Super Bowl. I'm certainly going to check out during that halftime show.
1: Yeah, that that's the roughest one yet. And they're finding it harder and harder every year, like. It's getting so much more difficult to figure out, like, what's the artist that checks all the boxes for the Super Bowl? And, I mean, I guess Maroon 5 is this generation's version of that. But, I mean, I don't know. Even though I've learned to like Adam Levine from his Stern interviews, um, I haven't completely learned how to like the music. You said something in there. Don't you feel like maybe a decade ago they were really actively trying to push this movement of, well, he watches it for the game but her and her gay friends watch it for the commercials. Like, didn't you feel like that was kind of a movement? And for a while, the commercials did get pretty epic, but then the commercials, the kiss of death on all the commercials were multi-series. So you had to see the next Doritos commercial to know the last one. And then the, see the last part of our commercial over at this URL. It's like, no motherfucker, I don't want homework. So the commercials have definitely been on a decline the last couple of seasons. And if you're like you and I, hardcore football fan, hardcore media fan. You go, when do I get more food? And when do I take a piss? If I'm supposed to watch the content and the advertising and the halftime, when am I allowed to get out of my chair and feel like I'm not missing something?
0: Yeah. And it's like, even if you are excited for them and interested in them, now they're going and releasing sneak peeks and previews of the commercials beforehand. I don't want that. It's like when a trailer for a movie is giving me all the yucks and all the scary points before we go. Let me go in there and not know what secret private thing you've been working on for a year. You know, since the last Super Bowl commercial ended. Don't, don't kill it. Don't bury your lead. Don't kill it for me. If I'm gonna watch them, I want to be surprised. But also, it's just the they're just. I say this all the time now. um, When we watch a. Something where we do have to watch the commercials. Yeah, I say it all the time. I know I drive Stacey crazy. I will be like, "Who in that room approved this commercial? Because oh, they should always. be fired." Always the most the most ridiculous, non clever, horrendous, uh, uncomfortable commercials are out right now in grow in droves.
1: The, the weird thing about advertising right now is there's a couple of different trends that that I could see. And I could literally. I could sit down and w- I could watch the Super Bowl and basically have like an advertising bingo in front of you. And you can, like, this commercial checks this box, this commercial checks that box. Like, there's so many, like, templates that everybody's going to. And the one that drives me nuts is the one where it's like you could tell that the agency or the artist just really wanted to do this 3d effect or they really wanted to do this style of animation or there's this type of filmmaking that they wanted to do. So they just took money from Seagram's made something. And so the animation and the artistry has nothing to do with the brand and being a creative, I can just look at them like you just took their money. You, it, it it didn't service anybody. It's a horrible commercial. It didn't communicate with the audience. Like you just really wanted to make dogs talk for an hour and a half, or I mean a minute and a half, and that's what you did. <laughs> the other thing that drives me nuts, and you know, wha? Here here goes. You ready? Wha? Straight white guy's gonna complain. But we're at a moment in advertising where the political correctness is at an all time high, which is great. Like we need to improve. And obviously when you look at the politics in this country, there's definitely room for improvement. So I'm not saying that it's a complete bad thing, but the safe zone is to dump on the white male. Like he's the idiot in every commercial. So the way that they do these advertisements are, is everybody's together at a party. The party's completely culturally diverse, which would be nice if real world was like that. And it's like, you know, the black guys are cool. The Asian guys are smart mom's in control, knows how to run the family. And then there's dumb white guy. Cause that's like the only like safe punchline anymore. So it'll be like, you know, mom's getting the kids out and she's, she's parking the SUV and everything's going on. And then the kids are like, what are we having for dinner? Like, don't ask your father. Dad's got his <laughs> foot in a toaster oven and he's like, you know, the baby's on fire and the dog's hanging off of his beard. And he like, he can't figure out anything. And we were watching the Super Bowl one year and I just annoyed Beth. Cause it's like dumb white guy. Dumb white guy, dumb white guy. And I started making hash marks of dumb white guys. And she's like, you've had your turn. I was like, well,
0: it is me. Yeah. And you could, it's kind of like this version of the CBS uh, sitcoms where it was schlubby husband, hot wife for a while. And they're doing that with commercials. It's always the white guy that's getting hangry and needs his Snickers. (laughs) (laughs) They don't ever let the black guy get hangry. No,
1: no, no, no. I mean, they would not cast it that way. So, I mean, you know, hey, everybody who's listening, no matter what you are, there's something that irritates you. Like, really? I got, you know, I'm an Indian dude and I got to be the fucking terrorist again in another Fox, you know, hour long drama. I mean, we all have the thing that rubs us the wrong way. It's just when you look at the advertising, the only safe space to dump on is white guy in his 30s or 40s which happens to be me and a lot of the audience and whenever (laughs) i I mention this at my super bowl party it's never it's never a popular opinion everybody's like well he is from the south (laughs) beth did you see that he voted for hillary or did he really do something else when he got into the booth when nobody was watching him (laughs) all right let's look at some new shows that are coming out um here's one that's gonna tickle your fancy netflix Okay. January Jones has been cast in the figure skating drama as Carol Baker, a former figure skater who was forced to give her up her gold medal in dreams when she became preggers. Now she pushes both grown daughters.
0: You made this show up, right? No. This isn't a real show. It's a real show. You're, I'm, I'm
1: I'm not convinced of this. I'm going to look it up because this feels like you're playing a fucking joke. No, it's called Spinning Out, January Jones. She got pregnant, now she's raising her kids, and the two kids, I think these kids might be on your radar. One's name is Kaya Scordolio, and she... Not on my radar. (laughs) No, I think she will be on your radar. I I think they cast this right for you. She is an unbelievable looking brunette that was in the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Maze Runner, like that kind of franchise, and then the other sister uh, that that January Jones had is Willow Shields, who is, I believe, a Hunger Games alum. Yeah, she was in all of the uh, Hunger Games stuff.
0: The really young girl in Hunger Games? I, I think, don't know. I think seen. I know who you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Never seen a minute of it. So anyways, but January Jones back, a.k.a. Betty Draper, somebody who we were just talking about on the last episode, but really settling into being cast as that you know, strong middle-aged woman with two kids that are, you know, driving probably college age. So RIP January Jones. <laughs> yeah, she's done. <laughs>
0: um, wow. Um, I'm going to look this one up because I, I I have, this was not on my radar. I didn't get this in my Mad Men news either. So it's interesting. So the whole thing is just that she was a, a skater. Former figure skater. Kids had two kids, and then we're just going to see her dealing with these kids?
1: Yeah, well, she was Um, a former figure skater who was forced to give up her gold medal dreams when she became pregnant. So, you know, typical story. Adult, or, you know, young adult with a dream, gets pregnant, uh, has to raise two kids, but now... She's pushing her grown daughter. So I have a feeling that she's a bit of a a stage mom or, you know, trying to get these girls to live out the dream that she didn't get, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I wish somebody would have pushed me in one direction when I was growing up.
0: I think I'd be more interested if she had chosen to take a stand and not give up her gold medal dreams and just figure skate while pregnant. (laughs) That's a better show already. And you know, it is.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll say this about January Jones loved her in Mad Men as betty draper still don't know why they made her get all that weight one season i just, was did, did they ever like conclude why that happened
0: i think that betty draper is a person that everybody in the writer's room just said i've got this issue <laughs> that i've dealt with my whole life one one season we're gonna put it on betty okay <laughs> it's gonna be wait one time it's gonna be the the um the, where she couldn't her hands went numb and yeah. she couldn't drive remember that yeah. she drove into the people's house or whatever she did um that she had the the weird stuff with glenn the little kid who she gave her lock of hair to remember him the that kid? kid
1: looked like such a creep like when they went to cast a creepy kid even with like the <laughs> thin mustache that creepy kids always have
0: Isn't he Matthew Weiner's son or nephew or something? (laughs) I believe he is. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, yeah. January Jones. You know, Betty Draper got a bad rap. She got a bad rap, but it took the whole show for me to to come to that. They they did her character dirty in the end, but they did her right. We got to see. That she was, like many of our mothers and women in our lives, Mm -hmm. she was dealing with stuff where she was, I think, smarter than the women of her time, but trying to be what she was supposed to be. Right. But I think they did her dirty with their ending, but man, it was such an emotional thing and I loved it. I loved every bit of that last bit of that show. Um, So, I don't know, Betty
1: Draper, I I hope this show is interesting. I'm going to check it out. I mean, it'll be interesting to check her out because... She was great in Mad Men, uh, fantastic cameo in um, Love Actually, as the, the bar with the unimaginable crew of hottest chicks ever when the, the British guy goes to uh, where is it? Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> but one of the all-time worst on Saturday Night Live. like
0: Yeah, she was like a deer in the headlights. Oh, my God.
1: like So bad. Like Robert De Niro bad. Which is amazing because Robert De Niro is one of the greatest actors ever. He's horrible when he goes on SNL. It's like, it's like the guy doesn't read English. I mean, I'm no, it's like
0: he's in a first time improv class when he goes <laughs> on there.
1: Okay, because it's never too early to start thinking about the holidays. Netflix is making another original film for for Christmas this year. It's called Let It Snow, uh, and this is what it's all about. This is I'm pumped on this. You ready? Okay. When a once in a century snow, to- <laughs> when a once in a century snowstorm hits a small town on Christmas Eve, several high school seniors discover unexpected opportunities as well as complications that their friendships, love lives, and aspiration for the future. Based on a book by YA bestseller John Green. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So the reason why you care about Let It Snow: One, it's in high school. Two. It's Christmas. Three, there's something magical about getting trapped in the snowstorm. Mm -hmm. Had a lot to do with how I lost my virginity. And (laughs) this is the thing that you're going to care most about. Cast in this show is a young actress that you might know from Mad Men as Sally Draper. and Shipka is in this? Yes, she is.
0: Well, you know, she's coming off of uh, another great a transition, these chilling adventures of Sabrina. So, this is interesting.
1: Yep. Hmm. It's a movie. I do like I, I, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's a movie. They've got a lot of, you know, because it's a high school set. So, they've got um the human that uh, Into the Spider Verse was based around um, her from Mad Men, uh, an actress that was in Dumplin and Lady Bird, uh, a kid. The chair guy, Spider Man's friend and homecoming, the you know, chairman who was also in Infinity War. Uh so some really good uh somebody from Blockers, one of the daughters from Blockers. So they, they got some high young talent in this film.
0: Okay, you've you've peaked me here with Blockers because I'm gonna make a an outside of TV recommendation. Blockers was fantastic. It was good. It, you saw it too? Yeah, yeah. Which daughter from Blockers is in it? Do you know which one she is?
1: Uh, let me see. Her name is Miles Robin. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's one of the the boyfriends in. Um, oh, yeah. So now you don't care.
0: <laughs> no, I do care because it's not Dumplin' that's in it, is it? No, from no, Dumplin'? no. It's not
1: Dumplin' who's in it. It's um a little, the the woman from Dumplin' is where did it go?
0: The kind of butch friend.
1: Adea uh, Rush is her name.
0: No, I don't know that one. Yeah, Well, Regardless of all these people, it still sounds interesting because you know, I do love my YA uh, mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 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 not ashamed to say it. I like the teen shows. I like get yeah, Christmas stuff, but it's got the thing that I most love in anything. People trapped in a
1: situation. Yes.
0: That's yes. the best. That's the best setup for anything.
1: You know why? Because whether it's Lost, Walking Dead, or Let It Snow, trapped in a situation makes you evaluate how would you be handling this trapped in a situation, right? So exactly. it it's a reflection on you and how you would handle it. If it's, um, they're young and beautiful and wealthy entertainment lawyers in Hollywood. All right, I'll watch it because it's interesting to see how their life lives, but I can't relate to it because I didn't go to law school. I'm no longer young. I'm no longer attractive and I'm not living up in Hollywood. So, but if it's an airplane that crashes on an island, and now who you were in the other world doesn't matter, or all of a sudden when people die, they come back as zombies, that makes me sort of gut check who I am in that universe.
0: Yeah, because when you're trapped in that, whoever you were in that other world is gone. You've yep. got to reset. You just have to get along with these people or dominate these people or what you know, play the game. That's why I... I don't watch it anymore. I haven't watched it in a really long time. But Big Brother, when it first came on CBS. My
1: sister loves that show.
0: I haven't watched it in so long because it just got real formulaic and I just it was just too much to programming to keep up with. Yeah. When that thing first came on and it was kind of underground because you could watch it as it was going on on your computer, like the whole 24 hours. I watched it for many, many years. But I'm a, I am firmly believe if I ever could get on that show, I could win that show. There's no... All you got to be as a manipulator and oh. be able to read
1: people. Oh, you're good at both of
0: those. <laughs> exactly, I know it. I have to keep that manipulation in check.
1: You're also a fearful person. You're like you're on a list of people that I don't want to upset. Right. So that that's also good because like oh I don't want to upset her because you know I can get away with it with this person but not with her.
0: There's a long list of people that have told me that, and so I'm starting to go. Is that a character flaw or a character plus i don't know where i balance that
1: out i mean you're on a list a short list with my sister where it's like i'm afraid of you i'm afraid of my sister because i know that if i rub either one of you the wrong way it's like you can just turn on that like you're dead to me thing and then it's just it you're done (laughs) train's not gonna stop you anymore yeah (laughs) hey friends i hope you're enjoying comment below as we look at all the new things that are coming out ...on the, the spectrum, the horizon of television and streaming. A lot of fun stuff going on. It's a great time to be a fan of TV. Coming up in part two of today's episode when we get into the Circle of Trust... ...available for members over at AID.network. We compare the numbers of what Netflix has released that one of their new hit shows has done. We take that number and compare it to what network TV is doing. And then we try to make a, a guess on what is the future of, of free TV over the air television. Like how are they going to play this game as the streaming services continue to not only create a a better experience for the user, but better content. What's that future play going to be? We also look at the news that Apple is starting to get on the horizon of what's coming up in TV. Apple has started to work with a couple different creators to make their own streaming service. I have a little bit of inside Intel on that CBS all access Here's a TV network that's doing the free thing, doing the premium TV, also over on premium cable with Showtime. What's the what's the madman over at CBS? What's the play that they're working on? All of this so much more when we look at the future of TV and the numbers and how it also works for the independent creator like myself, or maybe you're a YouTube person or a fellow podcaster. We look at these numbers and always try to figure out how does that break down for the small guy, for the little guy at home trying to break out and create their own platform, just like I've done. And at the end of the show today, Connie and I both love football. But what we try to teach you, if maybe you're one of the people that refer to it as a sports ball event, there is a way to love sports, and it has to do with understanding the human drama and the people behind the game. So if you're going to be stuck at a Super Bowl party this weekend, don't worry. We give you a little bit of a crash course on who the players are and what the drama is, so you can learn how to watch it just like you watch your favorite TV or movie program what do you say we get into part two available for members of the circle of trust sign up today at aid.network to get the second part of every comment below as well as our archive of over can you believe it friday's episode 900 900 episodes available to bring this to you monday through friday because of some generous sponsors, but mainly because of my circle of trust members. Thank you so much for supporting this show and bringing the conversation here for you while you work each and every Monday through Friday, sign up at aid.network. You know, I was doing some um, tracking on Christmas movies and Christmas movies really didn't become a thing till the eighties. And I'm always kind of shocked that there's not more quality ones, because if you can hit that, elf target in the in the bullseye of Christmas mm-hmm. it's an unlimited amount of money that keeps regenerating itself but people just they take the Christmas, the Christmas movie to me it seems like a layup but people always take these strategies that just aren't going to result in a win
0: no they go for the sentimentality that's fake and the over overly done Christmas aspect of it I mean look at Home Alone which is like Perennially a winner. Yeah, it's always you know yeah. around. Um, and what's the w- Christmas story? Fantastic. Those things, they they are not about necessarily Christmas. They're just set at Christmas. And it's if you can get it right, yeah, you've got a gold mine with it for sure.
1: The the key is is to tell the story in Christmas. Use familiar iconography and and aspects of Christmas, but to tell a unique story. Because mm-hmm. over on Hallmark and Lifetime, there's like, once again, there's four templates, right? It's like um, rich person from out of town that has to shut down a specific location where Christmas magic happens. Right. It's, uh, you know, separated family that comes back together, lost love at Christmas, and then mm-hmm. every now and again, they'll, they'll throw, you know, kid with cancer. So it's like the miscellaneous box. And you can just literally watch all of those films and just be like, which one is it going to be? And so many of them is you know, she's from New York City, she's from the bank, and she doesn't understand the magic of this inn
0: fish out of water at christmas yeah, yeah city girl comes to the country meets the guy who just is the walking embodiment of everything christmas and the town is great and there's a kid in it and there's usually some sort of endearing pet but it's a fish out of water thing it's someone who is so driven by something else until they just stop to take a few minutes to enjoy the magic of christmas in a small town
1: yeah a small town in ohio that they never meant to break down in this is the thing i want to argue with that mentality One, there's not that many attractive people in small towns. Two, if there was somebody that was attractive as her or as attractive as him, no fucking way would they also be single in a small town. Like, (laughs) if you're born and raised in a small town pre-internet, like, pickings were slim. But they
0: throw in the widow, widower aspect. they, They did have love and a life and all the happiness I mean basically it was paradise in Nowheresville Ohio right but then there was a tragic death and it's left them emotionally afraid to move on with a new person Walker's never been the
1: same since Mindy died of cancer (laughs)
0: Until some new outsider that has emotional flatness
1: comes Mm -hmm, into the mm -hmm. picture. Well, I don't really see Christmas. I just see the bank's numbers. But you will this season. You will this season. Connie, here's something else that I pulled just for you. Are you ready for this? Yep. Are you aware of coming soon to Netflix? These are all things that are coming up. Like, not next month. These are things that are in the works. AJ and the Queen.
0: Is this a Save by
1: the Bell drag show? Matthew Wicca has booked a <laughs> recurring role on the RuPaul Charles-led series as an Officer Patrick Kennedy. Quote, a macho gay police officer who's charming, easygoing, and comfortable in his own skin. Officer Patrick works for the New York Police Department alongside Officer Rhonda Wyatt. There's a lot going on right there. Wow. Uh, who's in this? Well... It's a gay cop, macho gay cop, which I like that they threw macho in there. Uh, the name of the show is AJ and the Queen. What do you say? Let's let's let's, let's go over to the, the IMDb and see what we yeah. can find out about AJ and the Queen.
0: I'm OK, it's a OK. I want to I want a guessing game here. Okay. I want to say AJ is the, the macho gay cop. I hope so. <laughs> if AJ is the macho gay cop. Oh, boy, who's macho? That we could have. Um, is it gonna be Oh, they got this thing pretty oh, I don't even know. I was gonna say Mario Lopez,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> my homie Mario <laughs> Lopez, I saw a movie with. Uh they got this thing pretty cast out already. But okay, who's in it? I'm looking over on IMDb. I just put it in and I'm looking at it and I'm not really recognizing anybody. I would say this to IMDb. Make your thumbnails bigger. No, AJ's a woman. Uh-oh. Who is it? Izzy Gasparez, and she looks 12. What is going on with this? Is this the real AJ? Oh, redneck I've- cast by Damian Canner. I need to get that role. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why AJ looks like she's 12. How could AJ... Maybe AJ's the daughter? See,
0: again, this is maybe too far out. They don't have this all shaked down, <laughs> but now we're already excited about it. It's never going to happen. And we're going to be like, man, AJ and the Queen could have been the BJ and the Bear of yeah. today. I mean, we're missing out on BJ it. BJ and
1: the Bear, what a show. What a show. Man. I can still remember it being on in the living room.
0: I know the theme song. I know the whole thing. If they put that back on one of these like retro channels that shows, and they never do, yeah. if they put that back on, I, you wouldn't see me. I would be up in BJ and the Bear.
1: And once again, something else that was inspired by Smokey and the Bandit.
0: Oh, absolutely. Smokey and the Bandit. Roll, rolling down to Dallas, my wheel providing my palace. <laughs> I'm off to New Orleans or who knows where.
1: If you are in your 20s, you have no idea how Smokey and the Bandit just like ripped through pop culture and just created so many um, look-alike shows. And then there was a while on, on mainstream TV, you knew every character on TV, you knew what kind of car they had. Everybody was associated to some sort of an automobile from the late 70s to the early 80s. And then there was the shows that were just about cars. Uh, Street Hawk Stingray Night Rider of course is
0: there any car maybe more associated with the TV show than Rockford Files though that what, car what did he have a Nova he had that no it was like a Camaro Firebird type thing I, I don't believe. remember that it seems know. like that anything for that the car comes up I just saw that it was up for sale somebody's uh, selling it
1: there you go I, I would drive that with pride uh, here's a show that's coming up to HBO um, it's called Miss Fletcher and it is about sounds British. No, no, it's. US. It's um, the the main character is Catherine Hahn. Do you know you know who that is? I love Catherine Hahn. She's one of my ladies. She's rabbi from Transparent. Man. she's the sloppy mom on uh, the Bad, Bad Moms. Moms movie franchise. Mm-hmm. She, I brought up this show because Catherine Hahn is somebody whose name I really didn't know, but every time I see her in a project, I get pumped because if she needs to go serious, she can go serious. If she needs to be like loud, obnoxious female comedian, she can mm-hmm. nail that too. She's a powerhouse, man. Like She's one of those Robin Williams types where it can go off the rails funny, but deadpan serious and do both of them at the same time in something like Transparent.
0: Modern day Terry Garr.
1: There you go. Exactly what she is. Modern day Terry
0: Gar. I will see anything that she is in. Did you finish I Love Dick? Yes. The show. In that she can be that wacky, off the wall, can't get character. And then she can be something as grounded as Rabbi in uh, Transparent. And remember when she was the wife in Girls? Yeah. That um, crazy What's your face babysat for? It's it's just and then Bad Moms is a classic. It's just uh, such a anytime it's on. I mean, it's a thing that we just stop on to watch a little of all the time. She's killer in that.
1: She's um she's really really good and one of those women um that there's just like a sort of a sophisticated sexiness that comes with her. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not like a. She's just, she's like a woman's woman. You know what I mean? Like, she's not Mm -hmm. super young. I know. Not super old. You know, has a a real body. And there's just something about her that I (laughs) look at you over there. Calm down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's just that sweet spot of like, she's hit an age. She's experienced enough stuff. She's been around. She probably is the guys girl but the women also love her yeah so she she can be in anything she can do anything i also heard her being interviewed on another podcast and her music taste she's like a punk rock girl
1: really i'm falling in love
0: yeah late 80s early 90s punk rock girl just pulling out the the lyrics and and talking about shows she went to and it was insane (laughs) how old is she i wonder I'm gonna say she's mid forties to late forties. I'm not sure. I do based this, on that timeline of what she was mentioning that she liked. I think that's gotta be it.
1: I do this thing where I watch TV and I try to find people that are my age on TV shows, and then I'm like, could I ever see me like being friends or like dating that person? Uh, oh, there's just a year between us. She uh, July twenty, July twenty third, nineteen seventy three. So. Mm. Uh she'll be turning forty six this year. So yep. you you know yep. your ladies, Connie. You're you're a regular <laughs> Carney. You could guess those ages on the midway.
0: There are not a lot of things I know, but the ladies are one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and BJ and the Bear. What a woman. <laughs> what a woman. Okay, here's a show that it, the name is funny. The name of the show is saving Keenan. And it's Keenan Thompson from SNL.
0: I was like, is it going to be about Keenan Thompson? I hope so.
1: And I hope it is. I hope that it saves SNL by getting Keenan Thompson finally off of SNL. He's one of the most one-dimensional comedians they've ever had on there. No matter what character they give him, uses the exact same voice. Oh, no! Am I on fire? Like, he does the same voice on everything. And he just drives me nuts. He's been there now for over 10, 15 years. Keenan, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here
0: that impersonation you just did was so spot on. I want you at some point when we've all forgotten about this episode to say that you got him for an interview (laughs) and you just do both parts of it.
1: (laughs) Please do that. Oh, I do my Keenan impersonation all the time. Whenever he, um, whenever we're watching SNL and then he pops up in the skit in that voice, I'll be like, I'm a fire counselor or whatever it is. Like I'll do the 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 Keenan voice. I didn't get it as well the second time. All right. He does so, a
0: great Steve Harvey though.
1: <laughs> he does. He does. I will give him credit. That. I mean, there are moments when he shines, but most of the time, like when they bring him on the news and he does Big Poppy, and all he does is pronounce things. it's So yeah. oh, get him off. Go.
0: The news on SNL has really been lacking for years, though. It's really suffering. Oh, you don't from like the it these that. days. Not really. Ooh, I, I, love I it. like, I like the two main guys and I like their timing and I like their jokes and things. But then other than when uh, Kate McKinnon will come on, which a few times I'm tired of her. I mean, don't, don't kill me ladies, but she can go, she can be too much sometimes as yeah. much as I love her. Yeah. Um. When they bring on that guy, that little, uh, that little Woody Allen guy.
1: P- uh, oh, oh, um. I Mooney, know you're talking about uh, Kyle Mooney. Kyle Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Culkin s- from DKNG went to high school with him. <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. <laughs> like that guy was in a locker every day in high school. I don't really like anything that he does on there. Um, Leslie can be too much sometimes. Very one-dimensional. The, yeah. Um, the, oh, the, they just recently did do that skit with Matt Damon over the Weezer stuff. Yeah. Did you see that one? That was one? pretty and good. She was good on that one. That's maybe the first time she's been really good. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm not as much with it. I think that it suffers from the from – the, the add-on skits that they do to it
1: I like when Colin and, and Michael Che do this thing where they write jokes for each other and yeah. the first time they see them is on the cue cards Yeah, and Michael Che always puts something very racist for, for Colin, Colin to have to read and right when he sees the, the cue card he just puts his head down and goes I, I don't want to have to say that on national TV
0: <laughs> You know who Colin Jost is dating these days?
1: Yeah I can't remember but he has a very attractive like it girlfriend right? ScarJo all right, Black Widow.
0: What did those two talk about?
1: I guess X-Men. I don't know. Or um, <laughs> Avengers. I don't know.
0: Man, I don't know. Just, it's nuts.
1: Here's something that might be on your radar as I just keep finding all of these shows that are meant for you. It seems like you're the future of TV. Um, I am. FX announces a premiere date for uh, a show called Foss Vernon. It's a limited series starring Sam Rockwell.
0: It's okay. I'm in. All
1: right. Uh, Michelle Williams. I'm in. uh, And it'll have a stellar cast of other characters. Um, The show will be coming out later this year. It's an eight episode limited series. Um,
0: Unless it's successful in which they give it a second season of 13. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's based on Foss, the biography written by Sam Walson. Foss Verdon tells the story of a singular romantic and creative partnership between Bob Foss and Gwen Verdon. Okay, um,
0: Fossy. It's Bob Fossy. That's why I wasn't recognized. I am aware of this and I have seen some stills from it and it looks good. So,
1: yeah, the the stills that they have for it looks fantastic. I'm April 9th is when this is coming our way. Uh mm-hmm. FX is my favorite non-premium cable channel. Mm-hmm. And um they they go through like they don't Like I said earlier, what is on AMC and FX this month? I can't think of anything that they really have out right now. And I just, I don't understand why people go soft on January because it's really a time in my life where things slow down and I could do a lot of consuming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's cold as hell in a good portion of the country um, because our seasons seem to be shifting a little bit later. So we're still kind of balmy in november early december but now we're like 13 degrees here in kentucky so we would be inside watching tv yeah if there was something to watch
1: and out on the west coast our sun goes down so early that by 4 30 it's dark so what? and i mean it's cold outside it's like 68 degrees like what am i gonna what? do out in the dark 68
0: degrees <laughs> you know i was thinking about this two days ago i was out trying to go get some posters from the shed and mm-hmm. the door was frozen on it and i was ch- cr- you know Chomping my feet through the ice on the yeah. ground, and I was like thinking back to you and Beth living in Buffalo in the winter, yeah, and how I would just see these like minus four snowstorms that you guys were out there rescuing dogs on the side of the road and <laughs> like, all that stuff would happen, and I was just like, I wonder if they're ever like, why the fuck did we not move out here earlier? <laughs> why did we put up with this for all those years?
1: It rained a couple weeks ago. It rained three days in a row. And it was so bizarre not being able to go outside for three days in a row. And then when it stopped raining, it was like a thousand people in all directions walking their dogs all at once. And you realize how many people here have dogs because normally, you know, there's people walking at all times a day. But when you get that little break in the weather and everybody has to do it at the same time, I'm like, my God, everybody here has two dogs. It's <laughs> that's um, your
0: next that's your next T V show of people trapped in an unfortunate You know, high pressure situation is it's California and it rains for like two weeks and no one can leave their house.
1: (laughs) The rainstorm. I thought you were going to say people at the dog park because that's when I've been stuck in my most uncomfortable situations. Mm. Yeah. So think about it. We're at a time where Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell will do a TV series.
0: That's insane. Meryl Streep is on season two of Big Little Lies. Whoa. And if that doesn't amp up that already like completely loaded with lady star power show, I mean, that she is like the queen of acting of all of time of the world. She's <laughs> the go to. There may be people that don't like Meryl Streep, but they know she's good. And she's just this thing that's always been there, always been in my life like since forever. And now she's going to be on this show that was already so star-packed. I mean, they had to be like, what else can we do to bring this, amp this up? And it's only Meryl Streep. They couldn't do anything
1: else. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild, the people that they can get over to it. But you think about it, you know, to get to be a, a fully, like, dimensional character in a 90-minute, two-hour T.O.P.S. film. I'm sure that's a challenge and, you know, you've got a little bit of time, but I would think that if you're somebody who is just like, you know, a serious, you know, artist in acting, the opportunity to be that person for 12 hours, you know, mm-hmm. and that many more scenes and come up with that many more little ticks and things that make the person feel real and not feel like you're looking at Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? And like, by the way, mm-hmm. not liking her is like not liking the Patriots. Like you don't, you only don't like her because you're sick of how successful and she wins, but you have yeah. to go. She's the best. She's just not the best for me. And I'm hoping right. that Patriot street comes to an end this weekend. Go Rams. Go Jared Goff.
0: Man, maybe besides you, there's nobody rooting as hard for the Rams to, to win than me. Because while I come off as a Patriots hater, as a lifelong Dolphins fan, I remember when the Patriots were horrible in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, I wish we'd go back to that. I need 20 more years of that to come back around for me. Um, I, I respect Brady. I respect Belichick. I respect their system. It's just like like the factory of football. They, people go in there, and the biggest fuck ups in the league can go there. And guess what? They become company men. Yep. They're they're the shop stewards. They're the people organizing the union and making everybody great again inside that factory of football. It can't be described as anything else but a factory of winning. So I respect it, but God damn, I hate
1: it. Ocho Cinco goes there and becomes Chad Johnson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy too. They've won the AFC East now. 10 Seasons in a row, mm
0: hmm.
1: It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Um, Super Bowl
0: year after year after year after year. Uh, it's got to end at some point. I mean, unless Brady really is like a robot and he, he he might be a robot because I've never heard anyone speak as awkwardly that has been in the camera as much in front of the camera as much as
1: him. Oh, every time they put a, a microphone in front of his mouth, it's like he's like, Oh my god, I, 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 didn't, um, are we on TV? It's cringeworthy. Yeah, he has no idea. no idea. To man speak. No idea. A couple other things that are coming out. Um, Netflix, because they have too much money, they're bringing back Unsolved Mysteries.
0: I know so many people that are pumped for this. <laughs> that was a big Unsolved thing of, of
1: its day. It was yeah. a real big innovation in TV and crime, true crime, uh, but mm-hmm. it's kind of wild that Netflix is like, let's bring that back.
0: I wonder if they're thinking like based on the like low free cable channels that have so many like crime reenactment shows and things, you know, like, I don't know. There are all those shows where like a woman is like trapped by a boyfriend and she's in a car trunk for three days and she tells her harrowing story and people just love that stuff. So maybe they're like, oh, we need to just bring this the biggest of this type of thing back.
1: Well, you know. With Netflix, the problem is is that they have so much shit that it's hard to like cut through. So they're probably thinking by buying this franchise, they're buying a recon- recognizable name. And you know the golden rule right now is if you were big back before the internet, you can get big again because that's the last time that everybody was paying attention. and you're absolutely right. There's now networks that are training you how to be a serial killer. because like if you go over to, what is it ID or true crime, you could yep. seriously watch that twenty four hours a day with a notepad in front of you and be like, okay, uh, don't own a dog, uh, rent a car, uh, you know, t- you know, like they literally give you like, don't kill somebody I know, like they literally give you all of the the, the pressure points on how you could kill somebody and get away with it.
0: Yeah, it's like the Cliff's Notes or the tips and tricks for a serial killer. Absolutely, here is all these people, and you'll see the ones that you find out what what they got caught by. Oh, don't do that.
1: Uh, coming up February 1st once again over on Netflix they're they're releasing a film that will be in select theaters but on Netflix everywhere February 1st it's called uh, Velvet Buzzsaw uh, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Renee Russo uh, also has John Malkovich in it who I'm not a fan of uh, Velvet, Velvet Buzzsaw is a satirical thriller set in the contemporary art world scene of Los Angeles where big money artists and mega collectors pay a high price when art collides with commerce seemed like it'd be something we'd be into
0: i'm into it because the last time that jake gyllenhaal and uh renee russo i believe it was Rene russo were paired together was in this movie that is like all the people i know that like really love a weird movie love it uh nightcrawler oh Did where he's the
1: nighttime journalist
0: yeah, trying to capture the all of the wrecks guy? and yeah. the things. Yeah, yeah, it was like tabloid, like journalism. But he got into causing the stuff or or whatever. I remember that movie being really, really good and winning like an Independent Spirit Award. And that's how I first heard about it and then watched it. And I was into that movie, so I'm into this show. I wonder if it's got anything to do with it.
1: Um, I'll tell you, it's a movie, and I'll tell you who else is a in it movie. that's going to make you uh, fancy Tony Collette.
0: Oh, sweet Tony Collette. Sweet. You know, I went back and watched all of that show that you recommended to me that she was in on Netflix, uh,
1: Wonderlust. Yeah. Was that what it was called? fucking great show, man.
0: The first couple, it kind of was like a little bit, uh, I'm like, okay, what's the show going to be? And then I settled into it and it was just like off for the ride and- She's just a winner in that show. If people don't know what it's about, it's about a woman who... She was a sex therapist, correct? Or just a regular therapist, I can't remember. She
1: was a regular therapist, but they kind of focus on her giving sexual and relationship advice to her clients.
0: And she had her own issues with her husband. Yeah. And they decided to open up their marriage. Yeah. And man, that's one that I'll go back and revisit that show again. I highly recommend it.
1: I thought it did a really good job of showing sort of the modern woman's sexuality and sort of how the internet and, and, you know, the culture has changed and how there's a little bit of anonymity in the world of, you know, you can kind of be whatever you want to be right now, sexually speaking. And ultimately, you know, it comes down to, um, you know, some men, they just, they want it all. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And, um, you know, he got his wife hyped up on thinking some sort of way, and then maybe he got more than what he bargained for. Uh, but I, I I, like movies that show a, a woman in, in her midlife finding, like, um, her sexual stride, because I feel like that's something that's been so oppressed for so long that, you know, it's okay for a guy to fuck everybody, but his wife she better still be a virgin on the wedding night. And I've always thought that was fucking bullshit. And actually you would never, ever want to marry a fucking virgin uh, because just everybody needs to have some sort of sexual experience before you get into a long-term relationship. And there's just such a different dynamic and different expectations. And so I always really get into the, the movie or the series that sort of shows a woman in her forties, like, you know, coming alive sexually and, and finding her way. and, And, you know, like, I can fuck a 20-year-old guy. And it's not weird anymore. You know what I mean? I just there's something about it that I find both interesting, intriguing. It, it's like when you watch like, you know, a movie where somebody's out of the closet. It's like it's a it's an empowerment. It's a sexual empowerment, but it's still an empowerment. And I I just it's something that when it's in a movie where I'm like, all right, where's this going? You go, you bad girl. Get out there, find the world, do what you want to do, man.
0: I think that's one of the things that I liked so much about the new show that I don't think enough people are watching, but uh, uh, Sex Education on Netflix, we've talked about it for a few weeks in a row now. Ah, You
1: fell right into my trap.
0: (laughs) And it went from where we mentioned it and Sean said that it was being very promoted over in the Snicket and I hadn't heard anything about it, which is happening a lot with Netflix. So many things daily are popping up in that little recommended for you thing that I can't keep up. But this one... uh, Jillian Anderson being in it piqued my interest. So I popped on and man, that thing I'm ready to watch it again too. It was, it was delightfully not at all what I thought it was going to be a British youth, you know, comedy coming of age thing. It was so much more relatable than, than it was marketed as I think.
1: It was a really good show. We talked about it over in our recommendations for January. Beth and I just plowed through friends from college and then mm-hmm. we went right into this, and I'm on pause because she's away for the week, uh, so we haven't got to finish it yet. But it's really, really good, and it, you know, it checks those boxes. Like I like a high school adventure, I like a coming of age story. I like people sort of finding their sexual way, and you know, it's nice to see now that um, that teenage sexual revolution is told from so many different angles. You know, like it used to just sort of be like a wink that maybe this guy was gay, but they never really showed you his experience unless it was like making out with a jock that then immediately got mad at himself for making out with a guy who wanted to punch him it's a pretty evolved show and a good sign of our times okay connie we just looked at all the new things that are coming around tv what's on the radar but what do you say we take a deep dive at looking at the actual numbers and the strategy of the future of tv and i don't know maybe talk a little super bowl while we're at it uh
0: tv business and football three of my favorite things let's do it let's
1: do it that's the triangle of power ah, ah, ah. this is where we say goodbye to all of our free listeners thank you so much for checking us out and don't forget if you're listening to us on the adventures and design feed you can now find comment below as its own podcast on all other platforms itunes spotify anchor go look for us where you find podcasts and i'm sure you'll find us there part two begins now only for members of the Circle of Trust. Only members of the Circle of Trust are going to break down the future of TV. Only members of the Circle of Trust are going to break down the Super Bowl. Only members of the Circle of Trust are going to hear what happens now. COT, let's get started at AID.network.